0: Uh, Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful again for your word uh, that you did not leave us uh, to our own devices. You did not leave us uh, in our sin, uh, but you came to save us and also to reveal yourself to us, uh, to reconcile us to you. Uh, And we are just um, so grateful now that you have given us um, those who are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table that you now Uh, have given us uh, the privilege of coming together in community and to come before Your Word. Uh, And we ask, God, that You would just um, take all the baggage that we brought in upon Yourself uh, and that You would uh, return to us uh, Your holiness and uh, Your righteousness and Your clarity and understanding of Your Word. So we ask, Father, that You would be glorified in this time through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Uh, him we proclaim. This is part two. We're going through Colossians two today, and we are going to um, uh, just. Sp- I'm not going to try to hit everything. I mean, I-, I think I could easily take. We could take four weeks to, to really hit everything in Colossians two. But um, but I think what we'll do is we'll just um, hit some highlights and and one sort of one section really in particular. Uh, I've just got about five things five points that I want to pick out of it. Um, but we'll spend the most really on on the fifth. Um, just just to recap where where we were last week, because you know you, if you're reading, this was really this was really meant to be read a, in one sitting, um, and it was everybody was sitting down in, in the house, and, it, and the minister came forward and read the whole letter of Paul uh, to the church in Colossae, and so uh, so it's really uh, all to be taken um, together in in a whole. But what if you remember? Um, what we uh, what we heard last time is that that Paul is a addre- Paul has never met them, and he is uh, but he is addressing uh, false teaching. Remember, Epaphras met Christ through the ministry of Paul in Ephesus, and then went back to his hometown of Colossae and started telling people about Jesus, and they people were converted, and they were, came together as a in a house church, and. Um, and then planting more house churches there. The same thing seems to have happened in Laodicea. And, uh, and Paul is writing a letter uh, to the Christians in Colossae. And he's addressing what Epaphras has been describing to him as false teaching. And the scholars are back and forth on whether or not this was uh, teaching coming from outside or from inside the church. And we know well um, that it can happen both ways. So... Um, so he's addressing false teaching. And it seems really um, that what they are teaching is that the gospel is insufficient for our own personal satisfaction or happiness or salvation. Um, that, um, that Jesus is important, but not the end of the deal. And Paul is addressing uh, that, uh, that mindset and that um, teaching and we see that as he talks about fullness in Christ and he talks about the preeminence of Christ and so actually what we the next two points I just want to talk about real quick fullness in Christ uh, over and over again he he's the words you have been filled I'm praying that you will be filled um, you are full in Christ in him all the fullness of deity dwells bodily uh, over and over again he talks about Christ in full and us full in Christ and then He's also talking about, especially in, in chapter one, the preeminence of Christ—that is, the the um, the height, the greatness uh, of Christ, the magnificence uh, in, in every the, the biggest, the grandest sense that we're magna. the magnificence of Jesus as God, and that's really important to for that Jesus is god and therefore he is sufficient we are full because of his uh preeminence and we remember um just that great passage um of his preeminence is flanked by the gospel Uh, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son then the preeminence of christ he is the image of the invisible god and we talked about that last week and we're actually going to revisit a little bit and then the gospel again and you who were alienated and hospital in mind? He has now reconciled. So, um, so that's where we have come from, and we are moving forward. We are in chapter two, and this is the pattern uh, of the structure of chapter two. Um, this that's Paul. Somebody, somebody, that's what Paul. Somebody recently thought Paul look, might have looked like, and actually, um, Paul act, probably didn't look like that because he was um, he was. He used a scribe, so he probably wouldn't. And he probably didn't have really fancy candles either. Like, you know, he was in prison. So, um, but anyway, there he is. Anyway, so this is sort of the structure of chapter 2. There's orthodoxy, don't be deluded. Orthodoxy, don't be fooled. Orthodoxy, don't be disqualified. And orthodox. it's just back and forth, uh, back and forth, back and forth. He doesn't want them to give in to the false teaching. But, but the thing is, is that false teaching doesn't present itself as false. And so it doesn't say, "Hey, I'm not true, but I want you to believe me." Like it, it says it's true. And so we have to, uh, we we need to know what the real thing looks like. You know how to, you heard, and this, you know how to spot a counterfeit. Or the people who are, um, people who are looking for counterfeit bills, right? You know, like they they don't study all the ones that have gone before. They study the real thing. They, they study the real thing so they over and over all the details of the real thing all the corners all the little lines all the intricate details so when they see a fraud then they will be able to recognize it because chances are if there is a fraud it will it will not look exactly like what has come before so you can see this and, and then if, you, if there is something that comes up um, I, I'm just um, you'd be, I'm, that was ugly I shouldn't I was that was <laughs> <laughs> it's not a statement I just thought it was funny Anyway, um, alright so you want to be able to spot what's false by knowing the real thing that's why it keeps going back and forth so I'm going to we'll just read, um, read this uh, chapter, I'm just going to read the whole chapter and um, then we'll go through and pick out a few, a few things for I want you to know how great, see if you can as I'm reading, see if you can sort of catch this, this back and forth uh, structure having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, "...from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all, uh, all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and, under, and, and teachings." These have indeed the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, remembering again, this, is, this you can't just take this on its own. You have to hear what came before it and actually we'll hear what comes after it. We don't have that luxury, but we want to really dig into um, this thing. Oh, actually, I, I got into it, so I forgot about that. Sorry about that. So, um, and some of you grabbed Bibles, and some of you don't have Bibles. There are Bibles if it will help you. It's just, it's just as a help. And I'm sorry I didn't put those up. We're actually not going to read the second half of the chapter anyway anymore. So you can go back and take a look at it. Slide number one here it is: Christ, the headwaters. He's the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. Now, that his uh, that his hearers may be encouraged. Uh, in all, to reach all the riches and full assurance of un, un, understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery. That's the that's the push. That's the passion. That's the um, that is the purpose of Paul's ministry. Um, that is the the knowledge of God's mystery is is Christ, right? Namely, Christ. Uh, the knowledge of God, which is Christ, and so that's what Paul wants. But here's what I want us to think about: Christ, in whom are all the treasures. Uh, of wisdom what he wants these colossians to know is that it is only in christ that they will find what they're after only in christ will they find what they are searching for you think about uh, how critical and how important wisdom and knowledge were to the to the greek culture i mean before uh, this time they had had such luminaries as Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and 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 they would, as we see in at Paul, like in Athens and other places, uh, they just kind of sit in the in the market and they just talk and and they're just trying to come up with new ideas, right? So there's the PhD programs, right? They're just they're just sitting around, coming up with trying to come up with new ideas uh, to look like they're really. Uh, smart and, and they have this appearance, this, this sound of great wisdom, and probably you know, mixed in, or, or I, I don't mean to say that they weren't wise. But wisdom was hailed and held up as incredibly important in this culture. And what Christ is saying to these predominantly Gentile people is that in Christ is true wisdom found. In Christ is all the knowledge that we could ever uh, hope for. Uh, the uh, one commentator on Colossians his name is uh, Douglas Moo uh, he says that uh, Christ is the one in whom is to be found all that one needs in order to understand spiritual reality and to lead a life pleasing to God uh, say so that read it again Christ is the one in whom is to be found all that one needs in order to understand spiritual reality and to lead a life pleasing to God. So you, you don't need to know Christ to have wisdom about how to rethread a faucet or to bake a cake or to trade a stock. Like, the, you know, like there's really wise people in those regards that don't know anything about uh, Jesus. But if you need to know your reason for being your purpose in life. If you need to know the truth about human nature, the truth about the nature and the character and the power of God. If you need to know about the nature of the very universe itself, then you need to know, look no no further than Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying to them. That in Him is all the wisdom about everything that was uh, part is part of the created order. All wisdom about how to relate. To one another and how to relate to God is starts and ends in Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. I mean, Jesus' ministry is one of diagnosis and um, devastation and deliverance. Right? He died. Jesus, in His uh, gospels, and His teaching, and what Paul um, gives to us over and over again is that Jesus diagnoses our problem. That is our our desire to be gods unto ourselves. It's right back in the garden, we're no different than Adam and Eve in that regard. We want to be gods unto ourselves, which is not I, some lady said I would never want to be god. His his job is too hard. Well, we don't want to be god god. You know, like we don't want to like have to make sure Saturn keeps his rings in order. We 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 want to make sure that we are in charge of our own lives. That we that we are um, wise unto ourselves. That we are in charge of what is right for us and he diagnoses that we want to be the primary and um, uh, the primary means of accountability is unto ourself and alone and he devastates that by demonstrating the law of god i think i'm thinking specifically of uh, the sermon on the mount where he takes the bar of the law and raises it, or shows this already raised not just to external behavior i don't murder um, uh, but to internal uh, motivation as well. If you look at your um, brother with hatred, then you've murdered him in your heart. Um, and we're all uh, there's there's no he takes takes the wall and gets it to a, a, a just insurmountable uh, level, uh, and then he delivers us to the other side of the wall. Right? So he he does he dim- diagnoses our problem, devastates our ability to. Uh, or our thinking that we can solve our own problem and then delivers us from the problem. He, he is, that is the ministry of Jesus. In him, all wisdom uh, is to be found. Okay. Um, I'm going to charge on through rather than taking questions or comments and I'll, do that. I'll take questions or comments after the next one. Number two is that um, in verse four that no one may delude you with plausible Arguments. I just I found this a, a, an arresting little phrase. Um, other translations say the like New Living Translation says, "Deceive that no one may deceive you with well-crafted arguments," or the King James. I love this to no one beguile you with enticing words. Um, the The word "delude" there definitely has in mind deception. Um, um, the word, the Greek word is para-logizomai. And if you think of the word logos, which is, is the word, to logizomai is a, a rec- to reckon or to give account. And the word para, you think like a parachurch organization is a, 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 church, a ministry outside of the church. So it's, this is an outside word, an outside reckoning. Uh, in other words, it's, um, it's to purposely give an account outside of the truth. That, that's, that's the word. It's Deception. That no one may delude you, and I, I think we we tend to think dilute, at least I do anyway. That's the first word that comes to mind. That no one may dilute you, but it's it's not just watered down. It's completely outside of the truth. That's and and yet it's it seems plausible. What a what a now the word for it's one word in Greek, plausible argument, and and so that's why it's translated elsewhere, enticing words or well-crafted arguments. It's, it um. It's speech that is adapted and crafted in order to persuade I mean it's it's not that's not necess- doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation I might be using that as as well uh, to not today but um, but it's it is um, when it's paired with delusion we can see the sort of um, the sinister nature behind it and, and and to to be fair the people who are um, proclaiming it believe it there they are themselves deceived it's ultimately an act of um, uh, uh, of Satan's authority, his grasp over them. I've never, I mean, rarely met anyone who knew they were being deceptive. They just, it just sounds good to them. They've bought into it whole hog. And, and, and the alternatives to to Orthodox Christianity, most of them don't sound too bad, right? And I'm just, I'll just go through a few. All you need is love, you know. I mean, okay, Saint Saint John Lennon, um, and and um. But it's, uh, you know, and that's, and gosh, I've heard that so many times, just within the church. All you need is love. All religions are the same. And it really just boils down to uh, loving each other, love your neighbor as yourself. Be good, be a good person. Um, uh, coexist, right? I mean, that sounds good. Why? Of course, coexist. It sounds so good. Can't we all just get along? What we really, can't we give peace a chance. I, I mean, can't we just get uh, get along? That sounds so good. And on the surface, it, there's some truth to it. Or the, or the idea that truth is relative. Boy, that sounds good. I mean, you might say, well, as a Christian, that doesn't sound good. No, it, it, it sounds good because if truth is relative, then you get to do whatever you want. And nobody can say all well, That's what coexist really means. If I promise to coexist with you and not, not speak against your belief, then you have no authority to speak against my belief. And therefore, what coexist really means is leave me alone. So tell that next time you go to whatever place and see a bump of sugar. Just tell them, just tell them, um, "I don't want to leave you alone and see what happens." Um, uh, or you, you have the power and the potential to be anything and do anything that you want to do. I mean, that good guy. I mean, does not that, that, that sound good? Is it true? No, you've been created for a purpose. Some of you are really good at accounting, and some of you should not be in accounting, right? Like, you can't do it. Some of you are doctors. I should not be a doctor. Like, that, I just can't think that way. I love, I think it's such a noble profession. And I, but there are a lot of doctors who can't do what I do and shouldn't, right? So, so we are, you, there, you have amazing abilities. Humanity is capable of a lot of things. You are not capable of a lot of things. You are capable of greatness as God gives that to you, you moving into your thing. Anyway, all this to say that plot, there, they, it sounds good, it sounds good, and and yet the other thing is is it, what it makes it makes Christianity sound bad. I mean there there is um there is no end to disparagement. You know that there's no middle ground. If if the only people who aren't accepted are the people who say that there are people who aren't accepted, right? I mean like so we say we oh we're open to everyone. We can coexist except unless you say we can't coexist. And then we're going to disparage you to no end. Um, there is no middle ground between open-mindedness and the dreaded F word, right? Fundamentalism. Right? That's right. Excuse me. Um, but I, I just, um, it, is, it is, it is, it is the worst F word that there is in our society, fundamentalism. And so, um, but what Paul says is that there is no wisdom. There is no knowledge outside of Jesus Christ so um so I just want to hold that up that it sounds good and it sounded good then and it still sounds good now um, all right so we're going to start real quick any any questions any questions any any thoughts any clari- need for clarification all right therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord uh, so walk in him what it what is I want to Ask, what does it mean to receive Christ Jesus the Lord? And this is—that's a literal translation. The NIV says to receive Christ Jesus as Lord, but Paul's words are stronger than as Lord. He's the Lord. He's the Lord, whether you receive Him or not, right? What does it mean to receive Christ Jesus as Lord? I was watching um, some football uh, while I was. I, I, this had my total concentration, but I was, um, I, I, I was, and, and I had thought, you know, it looks, um, it looks less like this, where you got to go up and get it, right? You got to, I mean, wow, I mean, what an incredible, and it looks a lot more uh, like this, um, to receive Christ Jesus, the Father placing the ball in the hand of the delighted uh, child. You know, that's that's what it, that's much more what it looks like to receive. Christ Jesus as Lord, um, we we hear about like asking Jesus into our heart, and there's been some, uh, there was a provocative um, pr- a, a book with a provocative title put out by a youth minister recently that said um stop stop asking Jesus into your heart you know and because um, it, I think what he was saying is it's not a biblical it's not a biblical image um, but the point the point is is if you if you ask Jesus into your heart, then the one issuing the invitation to Jesus is you, rather than the other way around, where Jesus is the one who is issuing the invitation to us. And we are simply receiving uh, the word that has been given to us. We are on the uh, receiving end, not the inviting end. So, um, so to receive Jesus as Lord, I'll just leave that up there, is to acknowledge Christ's preeminence. Is to acknowledge what we read in chapter one. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be. Preeminent for in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. To receive Jesus is to acknowledge Christ's preeminence and to procure His personal relevance. To procure His personal relevance. And, and then this is again, chapter 1. In you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled his body of flesh, uh, re- reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order pr- to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This, this is this is the personal relevance, right? This is Jesus taking his word and placing it in our hearts, in our grasp. Um, to to receive Jesus as Lord is to acknowledge His preeminence, His greatness, His majesty, and then to procure it as personally relevant. To say, my sin... Needs forgiving, and He is the one who has done what is necessary to forgive. That it is not a matter of His location, i.e., I'm at, He's not in my heart. and I'm asking to come into my heart, but actually, I'm giving. I'm dying, and I'm giving myself to Him. I, it's not that I was sort of alive and now I'm more of alive, more alive, but now I'm actually acknowledging my death, and I'm alive in uh, Christ. That is to receive. Jesus again. It's not a, Jesus that stands in contrast to human wisdom, which might say that Jesus is a Lord. He he is he is a great teacher. He's a great man. He has a lot of wisdom. The wisest man that ever lived. The most godlike man that ever lived. But he's just a man. That's different. And that's what. Uh, there's lots of different variations of that. But it's not holding up Jesus as a Lord, but the Lord, uh, the one, the ruler of uh, heaven and earth. And so he says, um, so. Uh, as you received him, so walk in him. okay so I, I, I used to live in Charleston, uh, South Carolina and we the Diocese of South Carolina had this great camp I don't know if you' ever been to it called Camp St. Christopher. It's a gorgeous place right on the on the edge of the water and I was scheduled to preach on the Holy Spirit and uh, we were going through the Apostles Creed we were preaching our way through the Apostles Creed. And I was walking along, and I thought, my gosh, I mean, I've got to preach on the Holy Spirit. Like, what, what exactly am I going to say about the Holy Spirit? And I'm walking along the beach, and I'm just thinking about this sermon, I'm praying about it. And I look along, and there is a, a mama dolphin and a baby dolphin. And they basically walked with me for about a, a half a mile along the beach. It was, the cool, it was one of the coolest experiences. I just walked, and they would just kind of crest and come down. And crests and come down and I thought surely they're going to swim off but I, I mean they stayed right with me the whole time and it was it was just it was awesome and I just said Lord maybe I mean which which one am I and which one are you like am I the one who's on, on your flank um, and, and and following you or are you the one who's flanking me and you're with me wherever I go and you know and I just try to think about that and it was almost I mean it's almost audible I don't know if you had an experience that, like, but it was almost audible he said I'm the water it, it was I'm the one you swim in I'm the one that is um, you know you and your children and all your people you can't go anywhere apart from where I am and I just, I'll never forget that. Acknowledging uh, the personal relevance of the Lordship of Jesus Christ um, has incredible, incredibly dramatic implications, not just in the way we live our life, because it certainly does, but even before it has, has uh, implications of the way we live our life, it has implications of the way we view our life, the way we see life uh, itself. We see ourselves as in Him in all things. We're going to see in just a minute that Paul uses this phrase, in Him, over and over again. In uh, our personal relationships, uh, in our private activities, in our vocational integrity, in our family uh, roles, in our financial management, He's the one we're swimming in in all things, as you have received Him, as you've acknowledged that there is actually an ocean out there and it's the Holy Spirit and you're in it because of His grace. He's the one we swim in, in all things. It's not just the mechanics of how we swim, but what we swim uh, in. And then he says, as you walk in Him, he kind of mixes his metaphors, but he's Paul, so we're going to let him do it, right? So you're walking in Him, rooted and built up uh, in Him. It's in Him that you're rooted and you're built up. You're, now, trees can't walk, right? So that's, um, you know, you're, unless, what is Lord of the Rings? Um, but, so this tree's not walking anywhere. But it, what's interesting to me is that a tree cannot have growth and a sustained growth without a deep root system. And you never see uh, a deep root system that doesn't have something amazing up on top, right? But occasionally you will see something that's amazing up on top that doesn't have a deep root system. On our men's hikes, we see this a lot. We see this a lot, and it's such an incredible metaphor. This giant tree that had no root system—it probably did at one time. I don't know how those things happen, but it's just a great—it's a great picture of what can happen if we don't go deep with the Lord. That's—we are rooted in Him. He is our ground. He is our are the one in whom we find our strength these massive uh, trees uh, are sustained in the wind when the when the storms come by the strength below they're impressive up above but their strength comes and their nourishment comes from what is deep and um and i just i I just think about i see this and i every time every time i pass it in and we go on our men's hikes um, I, I think we see that a lot, and I, I always think about that. Um, okay, all right. So now, what I really want to f- focus on is, is verses nine through fifteen. Uh, what is true about him, and what's true about you? What we've what we've talked about so far. We've talked about uh, Christ as the headwaters. He's the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. Uh, that n- no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Truth, the false truths look good. Um, what does it mean to receive Christ Jesus as Lord, and walking in Him, being rooted and built up in Him? Um, I'm, we we need to hustle, but so what's true about Him and what's true about us? For in Him, so. He's already said this once, right? He said this in chapter 1. In Him, all the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. In Him is God. And yet, you and I, Paul says, are also in Him. It's not transitive. It's not transitive property. If God is in Him and you're in Him, then you are God. That's not what he's saying. All of God is in Him, but now you are taken and placed in the envelope Jesus Christ for that is salvation that's a picture of salvation you are protected you are in in this a sort of womb of a um, a a bubble of his own righteousness you're uh, you're caged in his righteousness and you can't get out you wouldn't want to get out but you, you you it's because he said it he said so that you're in there in him everything about God uh, the, the power of God the righteousness of God the holiness of God the judgment of God the creativity of God the relationships of God the love of God are there in Jesus that's what's true about Jesus and now what's true about you is that you have been filled in Him isn't that interesting you're in Him and yet you're the one who gets filled if there's a cup if I have a cup, then it's filled when the coffee goes here. But if you're the cup and you go in Him, you're, and yet you're the one that gets filled, right? Like that's a it's a it's a strange way. But in you are in Him, and you are the one who's uh, being filled. You are the um, you you who we who deserve to be on death row. We're not just given the presidential pardon. We're actually put on the staff. Um, it is uh, He is the one who is the head of all rule and authority, not just earthly governments, but in all powers and principalities in the heavens uh, and on earth, That we and we are filled in Him. Uh, Paul uses this important phrase in Romans a lot, really all throughout his letters, that we are in, in Him. We are enveloped in Him. You can see the His train of thought. So this is what's true about you. You have been filled uh, in Him. That's true. You Now, you might not always feel... Feel filled, but you are, because you are in Christ. In Him, also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Remember, He's talking to Gentiles. They did not have the mark of the covenant. They were outside pe- uh, uh, people. They were outsiders, and yet Christ is the one who uh, has been cut off. He is the one who has been cut off. He's the one who, he, the one who hung on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for the first time and the last time in the history of the universe, uh, there was silence. He was cut off so that we might be uh, reconciled. So we were given uh, not an earthly circumcision, but a spiritual circumcision. As Paul says elsewhere, the circumcision of the heart, um, that all of the excess, all the sin was cut away. That what is left, in fact, it is not what was pure underneath, but actually was replaced with um, Jesus Christ Himself. So, but again, in Him, having been buried with Him, because we're in Him, in baptism, when you were baptized, the image is not that you simply that you were washed clean, but that if you were under the water, you would die. There is death. That's 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 why a baptism by immersion is. I, I mean, I love. Infant baptism, and I would never immerse an infant. But I, um, um, but I love much more the the um, image of baptism by immersion because it is death under the water, and and we have Paul says that uh, it's not that you um, like again you weren't good and now you're better. That if you try to give a testimony, well, uh, life was good and then I found Jesus and just, now it's, it's still good. You know, like I just uh, actually you died. You, you died and and when you, you think about coming up out. if you've ever been held under the water too long and you just your everything was thriving you come up out of the water and just and that water that air just fills your lungs again um, you were uh, raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God that we're saved by grace through uh, faith. We who were rightly dead. Were, uh, he, we died with him in baptism. We were raised with him uh, in his resurrection through faith. That is, through the acknowledgement and procurement of uh, his preeminence and our, his personal relevance. Uh, faith, it, the, and the idea is not that we have faith in something, but we have faith in him. It's the strength of our faith comes not in, uh, from ourselves, but in the object of our faith. You have faith in this picture right here. It's not going to do you much good, but you know, because it can't do anything. But hang on a wall. If you have faith in Christ, it's the object that matters. So our faith is in God who raised Jesus from the dead, and so we who are put to death in Christ are also raised uh, with Christ. That is true about you. And then, and you who were dead in your trespasses. In the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's two strikes against you. You are you are dead in your sin, but you are also dead because you are a Gentiles, right? You are not part of the covenant people. God made you alive. How did He do it? In Him, together with Christ. See, uh, theologians call this union with Christ. This is this is our um, we are stitched to Christ uh, because He has forgiven us all of our trespasses. That is what's true about it. See how see what He's doing. He's going back. The, the way that you won't be deluded is by meditating on the truth, of what is true about you and what is about, um, true about him and what is true about you in him. So, so that what, if you know what's true about you, then when you are given these plausible arguments, then you will be able to recognize the counterfeit. Okay? So um, So he has canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, He set this aside, nailing it up to the cross. I mean that again. It's the gospel. It's just, it's that's what's true. And this is, I mean, this is in my last slide. And that's but that's the gospel right there. It's, it's debt, cr- it's crushing weight of debt. We owe God our sins is the debt. The forgiving um, servant, that we, the unforgiving servant that we heard about in the gospel passage today, that this cr- crushing debt that we cannot pay, that Christ has paid it, and we are set free. I mean, that right there is, is the um, that's that's the gospel. Uh, so, and that's what's true. And if anything comes to you and offers anything other than a than freedom of spirit, then you know that it is not true. Freedom in Christ, uh, not. Fr- we, we even twist freedom around uh, because we think freedom is to be able to do whatever we, we want to do. But actually, given left to our own devices, if we did whatever we want to do, we'd find ourselves in slavery. Justin Terry, when he was preaching in Lent, he was talking about a woman who gave herself so over to sort of debauchery. And I don't know, he said, She's like, You know, I'm free to do what I want. He said, Are you free not to? That's a great question. In Christ, we are free. Uh, not to do whatever we want, but to serve the one who loves us the most, and to be uh, slaves to to Him, slaves to righteousness. That we are caged again by that by that righteousness. Um, it is a remarkable thing. And we're going to go on. We've seen the gospel, and we've seen He can keeps going back to it as we go into chapter three and four. We He gives a lot of description about how we um, are to live, and yet it's all rooted here in in the gospel. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it, we'll have to talk about that tension uh, next week. Let me just uh, close up in prayer, and then we can go, because i got to go to church. Uh, Heavenly Father, Father, thanks so much for your word. Thank you for the freedom of the gospel, that you have taken the crushing weight of debt and these legal demands, and you nailed it to your cross, and that you hung there and died so that we might live and enjoy freedom uh, with you, reconciled uh, to our Father. We ask, God, that you would... Uh, Give us the grace as we have received you to so walk in you, to be rooted and built up in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.